Welcome to this edition of the Ultimate Journey of Self-Care. I'm so glad that you're here with me today on this Tuesday morning. Um, today, I have a pretty, a pretty amazing guest. My guest today is Adam Hill. He and I were able to connect online. And I knew when I read a lot of, or, well, I read some of his story, I knew that I really wanted to have a chat with him because he has done 10 Ironman competitions. Um, that's right. You heard that was not, a, I did not say that erroneously, if you will. He's done 10 Ironman races. And I feel like, you know, if a lot of you out there are thinking about setting a big lofty goal for yourself, I felt like this is the kind of conversation that you really want to tune into. So Adam, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Allison. Absolutely. My pleasure. So why don't you tell my audience a little bit about you first and a little bit about your background, and then we'll kind of get into um, the lofty goal conversation, if you will. Absolutely. Yeah. I, so I never started out an, an athlete. That's the important thing to get out of the way, because a lot of uh, people hear that part about the 10 Ironmans and their, yeah. the immediate reaction to hearing that was the first reaction I had to watching an Ironman, which was those people are crazy. They've got something wrong with them genetically. Right. And, <laughs> and right. so, yeah, but that was never me. I was, I, I come from a background of, of non-athleticism of, uh, really the opposite of athleticism and, and, and health. I grew up with an anxiety disorder, which, uh, I didn't know I had for a very long time until I was in my twenties. And, uh, because of that, you know, started getting into alternative means of, of helping myself cope like alcohol and, uh, uh and really just developing unhealthy habits for a very long time. Uh, it wasn't until I, I, until I got sober that I, rediscovered health and fitness and started going on that journey and just to, and, and wondering if I could get sober, what else could I do? What else could I become? And that really began my Ironman journey and uh, the awesome. journey that took me to an awesome new lifestyle. Wow. So it, what's, what I'm hearing you say in that is that you, you were going through all of these, um, I don't want to just say problems, but they were like obstacles. They were obstacles that were in your way to you living the kind of life that you really wanted. And so you made the decision to work toward a fairly lofty goal kind of as a challenge to yourself. Absolutely. That's absolutely right. I, and really that, that primary obstacle that I had was nothing external. It was all in my mind. It's all about, uh -huh. it was all about the mindset. That oh yeah. Was what, you know, what drove me once I understood the condition of my mind that I, mm -hmm. that I had this issue with anxiety and fear mm -hmm. and I could name it and I could call it that I could mm -hmm. start to evolve beyond it or start to transcend it and, and, and rise above it. Yeah. And, uh, and that was a key element of just redeveloping that mindset that started the snowball effect of, all right, now what else can I do? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's let's talk about that just for a minute. So you said you you could see it in your mind, you could name it. It was this this conversation really that you were having with fear and anxiety. What did that really look like? It was it was a long term struggle. So I, I struggled with anxiety for a long time. I had my first panic attack when I was in college. Wow! In fact, I I, it, I didn't know what was happening to me. I always had this kind of like under the surface kind of worry and dread that I I'd been experiencing, but it wasn't to the extreme extent that like, that, you know, it was, that it was debilitating uh -huh. until I was studying for an organic chemistry exam, which as anybody who had done that, maybe that is panic inducing. Well, but... I was going <laughs> to agree with you. I was a biology major in college and organic chemistry. I mean, let's uh, just say it sucked. I didn't like I, it. 
<laughs> I still have nightmares about it. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I, I just felt this overwhelming sense of panic. Like, oh my gosh, it came to me like a realization that I, uh, at that time, my, my brain latched onto this idea that I was really, really sick, that I just, mm. that I, that I, that I was in a deathly state of, of sickness. In fact, it, it happened to be that I felt like I had HIV or, or AIDS. It was just, it was a ridiculous thought. I, I, I there was no reason for me yeah. to believe that, Yeah. but it latched around it. And I believed it was such certainty that it just paralyzed me. Yeah. And yeah. So I, I, uh, uh, so I was dealing with that and, I, and what I found over time was those panic attacks would keep coming and keep coming and then they would uh -huh. dissipate. But the one thing that helped me to cope with that at the time was alcohol. I didn't want to tell anyone about it because I knew it was ridiculous, but, you know, drinking in college, you know, it's part of the, it was part of the community I, I, I developed there. Mm -hmm. And that became the way that I coped because alcohol immediately took away that sensation mm -hmm. of, of that. And, you know, I knew it wasn't, wasn't healthy, uh, uh -huh. but it, it was just so powerful. It worked. And then it became a dependency and then it became an addiction yeah. and then it became my lifestyle for the next decade. Wow. So, you know, you bring up an interesting point when you talk about how, you know, the fear just, it seems so real, you know, and that your, your mind basically made a decision that, oh, wow. So this is just something I have to deal with. So it, it really seemed factual to you, you know, at the time. And so you, instead of kind of diving into that a little bit more, you were like choosing to do things that wouldn't, would make you not think about it as much. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 To numb it, to subdue right, it. Which I think is human nature. So. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't feel comfortable. You want to yeah. end that discomfort Yeah. <laughs> in whatever but, means possible. But fast forward to, you know, several years to when you made the decision to do something about it in a positive way. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're really, you were really trying to show yourself that, Hey, this isn't who I am and that I can do things different. Yeah. Yeah. And it took a lot of pain and suffering to get there from my standpoint, which was, yeah. which was, you know, a bottom, I, I had to, I had to experience enough pain that I wanted to change. Yeah. And so that, you know, that came in the form of, of, of a DUI that, uh, uh, that was something that I never thought I would do. And, and yeah. it was something that I hated. Yeah. And so I hated myself. I became a danger to not only myself, but to others. Mm -hmm. So it was this experience that, that, that showed me that I only had two ways out of that. Mm -hmm. I, it was either I had to remove myself from the earth or I had to make a dramatic change and get help and find yeah. a community of help. So, you so it's that hit rock bottom. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay. And so I, I, so I went deep into recovery and, you know, surrounded myself with, uh, with a community of recovery, uh, uh -huh. you know, and learned from people that had had long-term sobriety and, uh, and that worked, I mean, finding that community and really, really wanting it, really making, mm -hmm. making sure that it was willing to do it. Yeah. That was that, that was that first transformation. And I would say that that was the spiritual and mental transformation that I needed mm -hmm. in order to really elevate my mindset. Even mm -hmm. at, during that period of time, during that first year of sobriety, I wasn't thinking I was going to be an iron man. I was yeah. out there smoking cigarettes and eating at peanut M&Ms with, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it was just, it was just about being sober. And that was my primary focus. Yeah. And that's well, and I, I think, I think you bring up another interesting point. I think when we're trying to get rid of something that we don't like about, whether it's about ourselves or about something that we don't like about our life, mm -hmm. whether it's a habit or, you know, a relationship or possess, you know, whatever possession, whatever, you know, we'd, 
we immediately replace it with something that oftentimes I don't want to say it's just as bad, but isn't a whole lot better. And, you know, you're talking about going to cigarettes and eating candy and all that, which in our mind, we think, okay, it's not as bad as the alcohol, but it's still not really good for us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, it was a multi-stage process. I mean, it was, and then it was with a year of sobriety that, that with that mindset, I, I made it that that's when I made the decision Uh, that it was that powerful mindset of saying I've gotten healthy from the standpoint that I'm sober a year, something I'd never thought that I'd do. I'd never thought that I'd be able to be sober and still manage wow. my anxiety and do all that. Uh-huh. That's, and, and so my mindset was that I could do things that I didn't think was were possible. Uh-huh. And with that, it, it, it came to me kind of more like a revelation that like, well, what else could I do? What could I do to get physically healthy? How could I test my limits? How could I test them to the extreme? Oh, I love that. And of course, Ironman came up and, and it was something that a seed that was planted long, long ago when I first saw the Ironman World Championship on television. Uh-huh, yeah. I remembered at this moment, I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to yeah. be one of those people across. Well, the it's like, line. you know, it's like you picture the kids, you know, they always say, this is what I find always interesting when, the, when it's an Olympic year, you know, like as the summer Olympics, for example, mm-hmm. and when the swimming's on, since I was a swimmer, I'm always like glued to the TV during the swimming part of, you know, the Olympic trials and the Olympics themselves. And what I notice around that time is, is that there's so much interest in that sport after the competition, because it, it, to your point, inspires people to say, Hey, maybe I can do that too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a powerful, powerful pull and it's a powerful initial tool pull. Yeah. You know, as many people experience that the real challenge is is being able to stick with it when it gets hard. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So that that's, that's where I found with, with triathlon was such a, was such an amazing sport for me to, Uh because it's, it, it was a great supplement to sobriety. It's, it's Uh a great, because it teaches us to be patient, to be accepting of where we're at currently. I mean, you mm-hmm. can't go out and do three sports and expect to just, you know, charge every single one of them. You have to have that patience. You have to have the acceptance and, and really, really look internally. It's, it's, it's a beautiful sport in that regard. Yeah. Um, so yeah. when did you, when, so if you watched it way back, you know, and you had to get to a point where you were quote unquote, sick and tired of being sick and tired. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, <laughs> So then you get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. So what was going through your mind then? So I, so in the first, the first part, when I was, when I first saw it, I, I saw it and I was, I, I had the same feeling both times that that initial response to watching the Ironman world championship on television was just this amazing sense of wonder that these so supposedly normal people like right. doctors, <laughs> lawyers yeah. were, were finishing this race that, that was 2.4 miles of swimming, 112 miles of biking and a full marathon. I couldn't even imagine those distances at the time. Uh-huh. And I was just, but I was watching these people finish in the middle of the night with smiles on their faces, you know, sister Madonna Booter, who was 80 something years old at the time yeah. was finishing this race. And I was just like, wow, how amazing would it be to do that? That's so amazing. I would love to be one of those people. Uh-huh. And then as quickly as that thought came to me, the limiting belief, the, of the course. self-doubt yeah. came in and said, you can't do that. You yeah. drink every day, you're smoking cigarettes, you're doing all this and blah, blah, blah. Here's why you can't do it. Okay. Right. Defense mechanism. And then, and then I, of course, you know, shut down and said, okay, yep. Brain, you're right. I'm yeah. just going to forget about that and never think about it again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just so, like, just like so many of us do, we're like, our, yeah. our, our brains reminds us like, it's like the pink elephant in the room. You know, it's like, we want to walk around it, but 
but we can't ignore that it's there, you know? Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. 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 And so when I was, when I was sober, when I had that shifted mindset, when I had that frame of reference that told me that I could do something that I didn't think I could do. And this is in every single one of us, when we have those points of reference in our lives where we did something that we felt good about or something that made us feel good, we can re-tap into those things and mm-hmm. and help our mindset to, to shape it differently, to ask the right kinds yeah. of questions. So that instead of, of, of telling myself when I, when I thought about it again, that I can't do that, uh-huh. I, I immediately said, well, what if I could? And that yeah. started the ball rolling and that started the research and that started the excitement and, and, and yeah, it was all. I love how fun. you just use that as an opportunity to kind of pivot and change your thought. Cause I think so many of us, you know, don't realize, well, number one, we think over 50,000 thoughts in a day anyway, and the majority of them don't serve us. So when we have a negative thought or we question something that we really want to do, or we start to say, oh, well, that's not going to work because of this. You know, I love how you just said, okay, well, what if I did it? What would that look like? Yeah. And I think, you know, we don't give ourselves that opportunity to do that a lot of times I found. It's something I do a lot in the work that I do with my clients. And I'm always saying, okay, well, if that's really what you think, what would the opposite of that be? You know, and and we're just not conditioned to do that. Yeah, it's 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 such a powerful tool to use. And it's I, I I love it when when coaches and things tell tell me that that that's what they do for mm-hmm. their athletes because ninety percent of of the motivation or the encouragement is going to come internally and and totally. and we have to you know ninety percent of that is mindset everything yeah. we do is mindset and yeah. uh, the ten percent is just execution that's right so, I could not yeah. agree more yeah I yeah. could not agree more so so you you made the decision then I want to take you back to like when you're preparing for your first Ironman. Mm-hmm. So you've made the decision to do it. And now you're kind of, you know, looking at your training and prioritizing what needs to be done. I'm sure there were weeks and there were days in there where you were like, what the hell have I gotten myself into? This is <laughs> not going to work. I don't know what I was thinking, but yet you, but yet you did it. So what was going through your mind then? It was a very, very clumsy uh, first attempt at triathlon, <laughs> not, not knowing anything about the sport. You know, uh-huh. I, I made a lot of rookie mistakes. I mean, every uh-huh. single one of them, I couldn't even name them all here, but you know, just, just that whole process. I, I was actually injured uh, when I, when I made the decision to go into triathlon, which was actually a bit of a blessing. Uh, I had a shoulder surgery that I just uh, had, so I wasn't uh-huh. able to swim. I wasn't able to run. And I was only able to bike on a trainer so mm-hmm. and, and only do it really easy. Yeah. So my my usual focus had always been throughout life is, well, I'll just figure it out and I'll just I'll just run really hard or I'll, I'll lift these weights really heavy and and maybe that that's the way you're supposed to work out. And I would yeah, always get to wing it. Yeah. yeah. And I was getting yeah. I would get injured and burned out. But now I was forced into this this uh this reality of going easy, of, of learning about how to train easy. And, and so I did a lot of research, learned about the Ma- uh, Phil Maffetone, who was a coach for a lot of the triathletes back when they used to wear Oakleys and wear mullets. A lot uh, of the time. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. I remember those days. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and he, he taught this type of training that was heart rate based and uh-huh. it really spoke to me because it was so simple. There were only two two heart rate zones or anaerobic and aerobic. And right. you wanted to stay aerobic as much as possible. Right. And that was just a simple, I mean, that was what I needed to just say, okay, stay under this number. That's, that's the rule I need. And then mm-hmm. that's my governor. And that's what I did. 
And so it started out with just walking, taking steps. Yeah. And then just like with so many other habits we have, it's our starts out with the baby steps, right? Absolutely. And this yeah. was literally that literally that because I couldn't go any faster than a walk. So uh-huh. it was literally baby steps. And uh, then it evolved into, you know, trying to learn to swim. And unlike you, I don't have a, I didn't have a swimming background. So I uh-huh. had to kind of pick, <laughs> learn that from scratch yeah. and, and, and find out the easier way, but it, it developed into this, into this philosophy that I was going to approach this as humbly and, and vulnerably as I could as a beginner. Uh-huh. And, and there's a lot of intimidation in being a beginner in anything, you know, walking totally. into a gym for the first time is a Absolutely. frightening thing to do. Yeah. Walking well, with any lifestyle. new habit, being a beginner is kind of scary, especially if you're, you know, as you get older, you're like, well, you know, the thought of being a, get, a beginner is, is, you know, can be pretty scary and intimidating at the same time. Yeah, it sure. It sure can be. And it was for, for me to the point where I just didn't, I didn't want to tell anybody about it. But as I evolved, I, I really, I really tried to question that too, and kind of spin that on its head and uh-huh. start to enjoy uh, the idea of of being a continuous beginner of, yeah. of just Ooh, constantly I love that. learning. Yeah, I and love it, it, the I love how you just call. I love I love that phrase. I might have to steal that from you. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It's I mean, it's it's such a an empowering state to be in. Uh, which eventually, as I began training, it was it evolved into the attitude that I wanted to shape. I want uh-huh. so my mantra really became train with the mindset of a pro, but the attitude of the final finisher. And the final finisher concept is really because if you look at a triathlon, if you look at like the Ironman triathlon, uh-huh. the first place finisher is always the happiest person on the planet, and so is the last place finisher. Like the person uh, who finishes dead last at 17 hours and barely makes the cutoff is just as happy as the person who, who that's a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah, of course. Cause they're happy for different reasons. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And yeah. they're happy because they achieved their goals. Uh-huh. I mean, that idea of, of finishing something like this to the first place finisher, it's like, yeah, I won. I've got victory. I've done that to the, to the person who finishes uh, at the end of the night it's, I have completed something I never thought was possible. I, yeah. I conquered this vision. And both of those people in, in the context of the entire universe are within 0.001% of each other. That's as far true. As, yeah. The ability to do that kind of thing. So it's, yeah, because the majority of people I would imagine that would set out to do, and I've only done a couple of the half Ironmans. Um, so I've never, I'm, and I don't ever plan to do a full Ironman in full transparency here. Um, <laughs> but you know, you think the majority of people in the world are going to hear a full Ironman and think, eh, there's no way I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, so the fact that it's such a small percentage that actually see it through really puts you in very elite company. Absolutely. It sure does. And, and, and it really, it's, it's, I guarantee that every person who has, who, who is an amateur that's approached uh, the Ironman triathlon or most, most people who have, yeah. have approached it with that very thought the very first time they hear it is like, yeah. oh yeah, there's no way I'm not going to do that. I bet. I bet. So, <laughs> yeah. so after you did a few of these, a few of the triathlons, you know, and you sort of kind of were learning from your mistakes and, you know, everyone probably start to start to, I don't want to say it felt better because it probably didn't, if I'm being honest, but, but it probably, the process probably felt a little easier because you, you felt like you were more in control and you knew you know, what to do and when to do it and that kind of thing. So you sort of didn't feel quite as clunky as you did on that first one. Definitely not. I would imagine though, that there were probably still like questions and things that you had regarding 
whether or not you could still do it, how long could I keep this up, that kind of thing. So let's talk about that for a minute. Sure. Yeah. It 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 is one of those things that I mean you you mentioned it earlier before where you said, you know, you replace one addiction with another potentially. Yeah. And and that was one of those things that I recognized that obsessive obsession is one uh-huh. of an obsessive. I have an obsessive personality. That's why uh-huh. I got into alcohol. It's why uh-huh. I have anxiety, uh-huh. but obsession is just a, a, a symptom of, of that anxiety disorder. Really it's it's, and it's something that doesn't necessarily go away. So uh-huh. I have to always really look at these things is, is this a, a healthy obsession? Am I, am uh-huh. I practicing this upset, uh, healthfully. Uh-huh. So as I, as I went, I had, I always had this dream of qualifying for the Ironman world championship. I always wanted to do the one that was in Hawaii. That was oh, the yeah. first one I saw. Of course. Was, yeah. yeah. I can totally see that. And yeah. And I quickly realized that that would be a really hard thing to do to qualify for that. Um, but I, I kept pursuing it and mm-hmm. I, when I finally qualified for it, uh, it, I, I had been, it had become a lifestyle for me and I really enjoyed, you know, the triathlon lifestyle. And I have always enjoyed that. And then when I qualified for it and I did the race, it was amazing. I'd achieved this goal. I'd always wanted to achieve. And then I, I still did a couple of more of those, uh, of Ironmans after that. And I realized to myself, well, what am I, what am I doing this for now? Is uh, it just an obsession right. or am I doing this? So right. you know, by the time I finished my 10th one, I decided that was a time to take a break. Mm-hmm. And focus on other healthy, uh, you know, healthy outlets like you know, mm-hmm. just maybe writing for fun or just kind of being a little more free and not confining myself to this because yeah. I, I always did have to be conscious of is this still serving me? Yeah, and I think way? that's that's such a good that's such a good question. I think we should always be asking ourselves with the things that we do because work can be an unhealthy obsession for people, you know, yeah. and. And being in a relationship that's no longer working can be an unhealthy obsession. So I think, you know, always being mindful of asking yourself, is this still serving me is so key for so many things. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's so true. It's such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got a cool invitation for you. Ever since the pandemic turned the health and fitness and wellness industry on its collective head, what I'm feeling called to do now is to help health and fitness entrepreneurs build and innovate and grow in their businesses. And I've opened up a brand new community on Facebook, and I would love for you to come over and join me there. So if you are a business owner, if you are working on a brand new idea, if you're developing a new product, or if you're feeling called to serve at a higher level within the health and fitness and wellness space in the collective, I want to invite you to come over and join me there. Join me over in my Innovate and Grow for fitness and wellness professionals in the coaching space on Facebook. I would love to have you there. We've got lots of really fun things going on in there. I've got my weekly live show that I do every Wednesday at noon where I give away real informative business tips, the real stuff, folks. This isn't just some cheesy sales strategy. Come over and join me and innovate and grow for fitness and health wellness entrepreneurs on Facebook so that you don't miss any of the action. I will see you there. So I love how you said, you know, when you were talking about, you know, I, I have this anxiety. I know I have an obsessive personality. I know that about myself. So I was trying to really be keen to tuning in. You know, what I have learned, and I have a couple of clients with anxiety too, and just people that I know, what I have sort of learned about anxiety is that it really, it craves certainty. 
And that's, I think, where the obsession, the obsessive piece comes in. It's that we, you know, we, we obsess over control and we want things a certain way. And when it's not a certain way, that's where the anxiety comes in. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if, if that factored in with your training or being able to stay consistent or not. So I don't know if you had any thoughts around that. That's so true. Yeah. It, 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 and it does feel that way that, that anxiety does, uh, does attract itself to certainty and, and wanting, Mm -hmm. you know, and and wanting that certainty in life and, and the fear of the unknown, the fear of what we can't control. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I think triathlon in particular was so, such a, such a good thing for me with, with, uh, with the anxiety, because a it's, it's, it's a safe activity. It's a healthy activity, uh-huh. but it's inherently based around some fears and uncertainties. So right. it, it forces me beyond those, those boundaries. It forces, it forces us out of that comfort zone and the totally. best way. Yeah. One of the best anecdotes for negative anxiety is the idea of, of, you know, adventure or putting yeah. ourselves in uncertain situations that are, that are safe, but help us yeah. grow. And that just increases the, the elasticity and the neuroplasticity. Totally. I'm so glad you brought that up. It's, it's all about how much can you challenge yourself? The more you challenge yourself, then you become a lot more hardy, mm-hmm. so to speak. And you know, dealing with things that can be anxiety producing in our lives. Maybe it's not that it's like a simple thing. I don't know that it necessarily ever is a simple thing, but I think the process to deal with it becomes a lot easier. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it just, you, you, it, and it doesn't go away. The anxiety doesn't go away. That's the one thing I've learned is through my, my attempts for you know, over a decade to try and suppress anxiety with Mm -hmm. with alcohol, Mm -hmm. anxiety didn't go away. It's always there. Um, but we can learn to grow and transcend it and even turn it into a friend. Yeah. I know that sounds weird to a lot of people. Well, this anxiety it's, it's, it's debilitating. I love that. It's like you're turning it into your ally almost. Yeah. 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 Making it work for you. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. totally. So So as far as your own self-care goes, since this show is all about self-care, you know, what, what are some of the lessons you think that were the most helpful from doing all of these races and putting yourself in these positions where you could have, I mean, literally freaked out. I mean, Mm -hmm. if I'm being honest. Yeah. Well, and, and I did, to be honest, I did freak out a few times. I'm sure. (laughs) I I still, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I know I would have if it were me. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I had a many freak out moments uh, where, where you know, I I don't do well in the open water. That's one of my fears. But uh-huh. yeah, get and that's that's tough for a triathlete because you know getting out of the open water. That's that's one of the necessary things, and especially when you're getting punched in the face by you know 200 other people. That's that's a real challenge when you have that fear. But um, so so yeah, freak out moments were were normal. And yeah. I think one of the best lessons that I learned is is that it's okay to feel yeah. those things. Yeah, it's okay to yeah. feel fear or to feel anxiety. I mean, so the most the people that do the most extreme things on the planet feel fear, uh-huh. and then they practice bravery, then they practice courage, and that yeah. helps them grow. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. And I feel like when the majority of people out there, though, I think, do things because they don't want to feel that uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. So, you know, and and, uh, and if I'm being perfectly blunt, a lot of the mindset work out there, I've learned this from working with my own coach. A lot of the mindset work out there is just garbage because it teaches you never to think a negative thought. 
Mm-hmm. Or, oh, well, you can't feel that because you're going to attract more of that. And, you know, that's just complete bullcrap. You know, you have to be honest with yourself and allow yourself to feel the bad things so that you can work toward the feeling that you really want to be feeling. That's so true. I, I love that you said that because it's, it, I, I do experience that all the time where yeah. even in like meditation or yoga, people will say like, well, how do I, how do we experience the most comfort? I have to, f- I have to find the most comfortable position. I have to make sure it's absolutely quiet. Yeah. I have to make sure my mind shuts down. You yeah. can't do that. That's right. That, and that, I love the way that Michael Singer approaches it. And Michael Singer, if, uh, if you haven't read any of his books, he's great. You know, he's wrote, written, uh, 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 oh my gosh. I forgot the names of his books. Uh, the Surrender Experiment was one yeah, of them. Um, yeah. Great book. But he he always uh, says that, you know, those those negative feelings, he almost promotes that you, when you feel them and you just appreciate the beauty of them and you can you can almost relax and, and let them go and not just let them go, like push them out, but let them come and let them release. It's such a beautiful experience when that happens, even, yeah. even, even the hardest things to feel because they're yeah. human. And well, and I just, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up too, because, you know, the, if the whole COVID thing taught us anything. I mean, my industry was completely decimated, you know, the health mm-hmm. and fitness industry um, with the, the onset of the pandemic, because, you know, we're hearing from government officials, don't go to the gym, you'll get sick. Don't yeah. do this, you'll get sick. Don't do this, you'll get sick. So people are all like hanging out at home you know, and like waiting for the perfect opportunity to go back and do it. So of course there's like a lot of anxiety and a lot of negative feelings and all that. It's really what has led me in a lot of my work now to work with entrepreneurs and helping them really get their message out in the health and Mm -hmm. fitness space. Um, And, you know, that's one of the things I'm working on in my innovate and grow Facebook community, which if anyone out there is listening, please come over and join me there. If you're an entrepreneur and you want to really work on getting your message out in a unique and different way. Um, The culture now has completely changed too, but that goes without saying, but, you know, there's so many people that are still feeling those anxiety, you know, those feelings of anxiety and feeling like they want to find what it is that you found to help you cope. So what would you tell those people? Well, I I would tell them start in, I, I would say that one of the, one of the challenges is that, that when, when we get that feeling of enthusiasm to start something new, or we see something like an Ironman, we get that passion in us. We immediately want to go to level 10 and we just want to start as hard as we can. Yeah. But I would just say, you know what, make that the big dream. And that's awesome. Keep that at the very top of the pedestal and then work backward on the way down to the very next step. And then yeah. focus intently and obsessively on that, on that step. Yeah. If it's walking, if you're injured and, and you just have to go out for a walk, then that's it. That's the next step. And just know that that's the growth that you need. Yeah, yeah. Don't, you don't have to push yourself way, way, way beyond your comfort zone right away, because that may be detrimental. It's just push yourself a few percent beyond your comfort zone. Yeah. You know? and, oh, I love and, that. Yeah. I love and that, that. that. That helps to, that helps to push it. And, but, but keep that dream alive and know that every time you fail or every time that you have a setback and you will have setbacks, that that is also an opportunity to grow. It's mm-hmm. not a failure. It's not, it's not final. It's just mm-hmm. an opportunity to grow. Yeah. I love that because I feel like, you know, for so many people, I mean, they're, you know, January is coming on. So January is obviously, it used to be when everyone would start out on their health and fitness journey again, because for some reason, January was dubbed like the perfect and best month to do it. Cause it was the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. but 
But that really leads to a faulty line of thinking to where, you know, to your point, you know, we want to hit it, hit the ground running and hit everything hard, which is to me, it's just a recipe for burning out. And now that it's, you know, February, you know, most, a lot of people who started out in January have done just that they've quit. Yeah. So, so really what you're saying is, is that start at the very bottom and get really good at doing the easy things and progress from there. That's absolutely right. Yeah. It's a goal hierarchy. Master that next step, master level one before going on to level two. Yeah. It's like I, I always think of it like a video game. Like yeah. you, you, you don't start a video game and then go straight to the end boss where he's got the rocket launchers and all these kinds of thing. And all you have is yeah. a wooden sword. No, yeah. you build your way up gradually. You yeah. find the tools, you build the experience. And at the beginning, it seems like it's impossible to get to yeah. where you want to go. And yeah. that's okay because you can chase impossible by just taking it one step at a, at a time. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. That's, I'm probably have to steal that one too. So, yeah. so what, what would you say has probably been your biggest lesson? Yeah, my biggest lesson is that, uh, um, is, is probably that, that, there's no end game to personal growth and development. Mm-hmm. There, you know, there's there's no there's no finish line. Mm-hmm. And one of the greatest, you know, I think that one of the greatest lessons that that I've learned is that every finish line that I've approached becomes a new starting line. Because at oh, one I point in time, yeah. And and I'll also say that the, that the dreams we have now that seem impossible, I have a, I have a picture uh, on my wall of the very very first picture of the of the earth from the moon. It's called Earthrise. Yeah. And it was taken back in, I think, 1968 when we when we first went around the moon, when 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 human beings first went around the moon in their module and then came back to Earth. Uh-huh. And because for 200,000 years we looked at the moon and we said, that's way up there and we're down here. There's something amazing about that place, but we can't get there. Uh-huh. And then one day, one man said, we choose to go to that place within this decade. Yeah. And we went there in that decade because mm-hmm. we made that commitment. We put everything we could into it and we got there. So nothing is impossible with the right kinds of resources, the right kinds of mindset. That's, you know, my, my dream at one point was to qualify for the Ironman world championship. And I, and I, and I ended up doing that with a lot of time and effort. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a, that had to be a starting line to what was next. Yeah. If that was the finish line, then I'm, I'm only going to go, I'm gonna, only going to atrophy from there. If I just decide that's it, yeah. I'm done. I can just rest on, on that now. Yeah. But it's like you said, you took on the attitude of be, being the final finisher. Cause if you're the mm-hmm. final finisher, then you know, the next question you ask is okay, what's next. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You're kind of like, it's like you're strengthening a new muscle. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of how we do self-care is that too, because we can we can justify all the reasons why it's not convenient, it's a luxury, it's be selfish if I prioritize myself, yada, yada, yada. This is what I hear from people. Mm-hmm. So so to follow your example, you know, one of the best ways to take care of ourselves is not to give up. You know, it's mm-hmm. to keep the things that we want in our the field of vision so that we're always working toward it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And if, you, if you're growing, you're becoming a better person for, do, for those that you want to serve. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I do hear that a lot too, where, mm-hmm. where people tell me that, that uh, they feel like it's selfish to go take care of themselves or, oh, yeah. or even, even people like, you know, who might be getting sober for the first time. Say, uh, and that was me. I always said, I don't want to get sober because it's going to take time away from my family or, or, you know, going into recovery, yeah. going into yeah. the room. 
But what I realized was that, you know, with that, I am nothing if I am not taking care of myself first. That's absolutely and, right. Yeah. How can we be expected to be, to do the things that really matter the most to us if we don't prioritize ourselves? Right. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. not a selfish venture at all. It's we get one trip around this planet and we should take yep. care of ourselves as Absolutely. best as we can to make sure we're the best as we yeah, can. Yeah, it's how we're of the highest service, really. That, so it's not right. selfish at all. It's how we can become of the highest level of service to ourselves and to, to other people too. Right. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So let's say someone out there is listening and maybe they're just, I mean, I know we've already hit on this, but I just want to expand upon it one more time. But maybe they're just not real sure where to begin. I know we talked about, you know, getting to the bottom rung and mastering that level and going on next. But I'm wondering if you could even water that down a little bit further. What's one thing that someone could walk away from this episode and put into practice right away? Yeah. So I I think that whatever your goal is, whether it's fitness, whether it's in business, whether it's whatever it may be in take your dream, take that impossible dream that you have and just write it at the top of a piece of paper Mm -hmm. and then work your way backward toward what is it going to take to get there? What is the very step before that? Mm -hmm. And when you realize what that step is, like, for example, if if it's, you know, I want to finish an Ironman triathlon, well, what's the first step before that? Well, I probably going to need to be able to bike more than a hundred miles and swim this distance. So put that down there and then keep working backward until you get to where you're at right now. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that, that should excite you because now, regardless of how long that list is, you have a roadmap to your dream Yeah, and you just have to, the only thing that you have to focus on right now is not the very top rung or, or anything else or that plan or the logistics. You just have to focus on that very first step that you mm-hmm. got down to where you're at right now. Yeah. And then you just keep pushing 4% beyond your comfort zone until you arrive at your dream. And then you realize, hey, that's just the next step. And now I've got to keep building on this uh, staircase and uh, and keep growing. So yeah. I just I would say just write it down, you know, yeah. and, and and create that plan, and and it'll it'll enlighten your journey a little bit more. Yeah, and just break it. I love I love how you just say break it all the way down to where maybe today it's just a twenty minute walk, mm-hmm. you know, and then tomorrow it'll be something else, and the next day it'll be something else. But the point is, is that every day you're doing something. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And surround yourself with a community that is a part of that, that you can learn from and, and that's, that's supportive Mm -hmm. because they're out there in every single venture. Yeah. Uh, So, and, and it's, it's one of the best ways to get that accountability. Yeah. I love that. I could not agree with you more on the the support concept. I mean, we don't, we don't really get to where we want to be very well without support. Um, You know, and, and it just, And I mean, why put yourself through the struggle when you can get support to help you? You know, that's just, it's so key. That's why I always work with a coach because it's just, it's never, as a coach myself, it's just that feels completely in alignment for me to work with somebody so that I can be a better coach for the people that I work with. Yeah. I, yeah. It's it's so great. Yeah, I I, I feel the same way. Any coach yeah. that I get, I want to make sure that they have a coach. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So, Adam, yeah. this has been amazing. I'm so glad we were able to do this. Where can people find you? Well, if they want to find me, they can uh, go to adamhilltry.com, and there they'll find links to anything that they want. Right now, I've got a new book released 
called oh, Shifting awesome. Gears. Uh -huh. um, yeah, from anxiety and addiction to a triathlon world championship. If you want to learn more about my story, and uh, yeah, but AdamHillTry.com is is where to go to find any information about me. Oh, perfect. So we'll make sure we have that link in the show notes. So if anyone out there is listening and want to know, want to learn more about Adam and his story, and uh, maybe our conversation has like sparked an interest, please make sure you know, that link is in the show notes. So you can go right there um, and, you know, pick your poison, pick your book, pick whatever it is that he's doing that you want to learn more about. Thank you so much, Adam. I really appreciate you making time um, to come on here today. It was my pleasure, Allison. Thank you so much. Absolutely. My pleasure as well. And like I said, if anyone out there is, is listening, please reach out to Adam to learn more about what he does and his story. I think there are so many parallels between doing a competition and how we do our life. There are so many commonalities. There are more, more commonalities, I think, than there are things that don't make as much sense. So I think there, every day we face a multitude of challenges and obstacles and risks. And I think what it comes down to is what are we thinking? What are we believing? And what is our next good first step? So I think, you know, training for a race is a perfect example of that. It's like we're trying, we're always training for the race of life. So if you're not in my Innovate and Grow Facebook community, if you are an entrepreneur and you are wanting to, feeling the call to innovate more in your business, um, I am going to be hosting a very unique three-part masterclass in March. I want to invite you to come over and join me there. You can find the link to join the masterclass in the show notes as well. I'll be teaching you some tricks of the trade, how to get seen more online, how to get your message out, and how to navigate the new culture, really, that is a result of the last couple of years. So I would encourage you to do that. Um, and if you're feeling inspired after listening to my chat with Adam and you want to share it with a friend, please feel free to do that. I would love it if you would leave us a review. You can go find us on iTunes or Podchaser. Um, and you're welcome to screenshot your review and send it to me. And I'll send you a small gift and token of my appreciation. Um, we've been on the air now almost three years. And um, I'm going to keep going because I feel like every week it just gets a little bit better. Um, so I want to thank all of you for all of your support. We're heard all over the world. Um, we have listeners in a multitude of countries, um, and I couldn't do it without you. So please know from the bottom of my heart, how grateful I am. 